0: Welcome to C-Speak, the language of executives, supported by PNC. I'm Jim Hohen, Regional President of PNC Bank in Central Pennsylvania. Each podcast in this series features local and regional C-level executives talking about relevant and timely business topics. This knowledge-sharing platform provides insights on forward-thinking business approaches that encourage leaders to think differently. We at PNC are proud to support this initiative. Here is your host for C-Speak, Sharon Ryan.
1: Thank you, Jim. And thanks everyone for joining us for this episode of C-Speak, the language of executives supported by PNC. Our conversation today is with Lisa Riggs, president of the Economic Development Company of Lancaster County, and we're talking about workforce development. Hi, Lisa. Hi. It's great to be here, and I've really been looking forward to this conversation because I've never met anyone who ran a professional baseball team (laughs) before the
0: Lancaster Barnstormers. (laughs) I think that makes you a celebrity in my book. (laughs) It's a wonderful group of people and a terrific club. They've done amazing things for Lancaster. So proud of them.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. And that happened before you took over the reins of the Lancaster EDC. And and you were running a business, basically throwing a party every day. And (laughs) uh, that's some great experience for our topic today because you can't do that without a workforce. Mm -hmm. And and a workforce that can make a happy crowd. Mm -hmm. So... um, let, you know, one of the th- I just want to get right to it and say, you know, what's happening? What the heck is going on out there? What's happening with the workforce?
0: Yeah, I haven't met very many people in the last few months uh, that aren't bringing up workforce as a big topic. It's across the board. Pick your industry. Pick your occupation. Uh, everyone is scrambling to figure out where they're going to get uh, workers today and workers tomorrow. So it's a big challenge. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that this afternoon. What, what's going on? How much of this is the
1: pandemic? Because I hear a lot of people talking about this is because of the pandemic or they'll talk about because it's because of unemployment or Mm -hmm. or tell me, give us a perspective on
0: that. I mean, certainly the pandemic we think is part of it. But this challenge of workforce started before the pandemic. And it's just one of those things that we all probably have short memories and don't know just how challenging it was leading up to March of 2020. And now we still are in pandemic conditions. So we have people who can't find childcare. Uh, We have people who are concerned about returning to the workforce, uh, having to interact with people and customers. Uh, We have people who can work remotely that never had a chance to work remotely before. And so maybe there's new and different opportunities for them. Mm -hmm. So the pandemic is certainly exacerbating a situation that was already a challenge before, and it likely isn't gonna be getting better. Well, and unemployment was very low. Yeah, I mean that in Lancaster County, it was full employment. If you wanted a job before the pandemic, you could get it. Uh, and what we're seeing now, uh, coming as we start to em- evolve out of the pandemic, there's a lot of growth out there. A lot of companies we're talking about, again, across industry sectors, are seeing are seeing growth. So they're trying to hire back to pandemic levels and pre pandemic levels, and then hire above that. Uh, And that's part of the challenge, too.
1: Now, do you really think there is a pre and a post pandemic or are we because we used to think about living through a pandemic? I think we're talking about living in a pandemic now.
0: You know, maybe it's just my um, glasses half full optimism that we could say post pandemic. And I think, you know, it's we're in a state of transition. Uh, I think part of it, too, is this uncertainty. What are we in is a challenge, uh, not just for employers trying to hire but for people trying to figure out how do they settle into whatever their new routine is going to be.
1: Right. But the pandemic, the reason why I say pandemic is here to stay is because the pandemic has made changes to the workforce and how we work that aren't going to go away when we suddenly don't have as many germs floating through the air.
0: <laughs> I, th- I think that's right. I mean, part of what we've seen is every company we've talked to has invested in some way, shape or form in new technologies. It could be just to allow folks to be more successful working at home. It could be a different different types. Of, like, look, we all go into restaurants, and we're using our phones to look at our menus these days. Mm-hmm. So some of these things, uh, they were in the works over the last few years. That Band-Aid got ripped off. Yeah. And the question I think you're raising is a great one, which is, you know, are we settling back into old patterns or are these some of these things that we've experienced here to stay permanently?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, looking at the past is a crazy thing to do because we're not going there. And uh, <laughs> the the job market has changed fundamentally. And so mm-hmm. what are some of the ways that it has what are those fundamentals that have shifted?
0: Well, I, I think what, the biggest thing we're hearing is really there's two different segments of people, people who have to be physically present in their jobs. So you think about frontline workers, health care, hospitality Uh, retail, manufacturing. Uh, So we have that group of workers, and then you have a group of workers that can work remotely, Uh, professional services, accountants, lawyers, uh, uh, nonprofit organizations that aren't on the front line. So there's there's different scenarios for different types of workers. For those that have to be in person, we are starting to see and hear from employers saying, can technology replace that that type of work? Or how can we use technology better or differently to take the reliance off of the human labor? For those people that are in the remote-only work or maybe a hybrid situation, what we're hearing from employers now is these people are mobile in ways that they weren't before. So could, as an employer, could I hire someone who works or lives, rather, in Texas or California and can they do the same work so my field of candidates just blew wide open mm-hmm. geographically conversely if i'm an employee i might be able to work anywhere mm-hmm. so maybe i move to, to pick a different place and can i keep my same job or could i go to a different place so this is all still sorting to starting to shake out mm-hmm. nothing has been determined but it's not a one size fits all what we know is that Uh, What has happened over the last 12 to 18 months is the power has definitely shifted from the employer to the employee. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, you know, it makes me think about how, especially in the Chamber of Commerce realm, where we try to make geographic regions attractive to people to move. Mm -hmm. What happens with that?
0: You know, the quality of life, quality of place has been an important part of economic and community development for a while, but that is absolutely elevated. You're seeing communities now tout their recreational resources. What can you do outside? Uh, Their housing stock, affordability, uh, diversity of of populations and things to do. You're going to see more and more of that as we compete for workers. For us here in central Pennsylvania— Uh, We have a wonderful quality of life. We have uh, great infrastructure, great recreation. We can't let that uh, take that for granted. We have got to build on that. So I think you're going to see all new strategies coming out around those sorts of things that make a place feel special.
1: Right. And so the people who they just want to live in that destination and then they but they don't they might work in Texas or Georgia or. The West Coast. We
0: don't, we don't know. And, and part of it is waiting for some of this data to catch up. You know, how many people have shifted to remote working? Mm-hmm. And how do you count them? So interesting conversations for states, you know, as they think about h- how do they apply taxes or how do they do incentives? A lot of times it used to be on where the jobs were located. Mm-hmm. Well, is it physically located by the company's address or where the person lives? Wow. We don't know.
1: You can work anywhere, pretty much. We've talked uh, on this on uh, this podcast about culture, which mm-hmm. you know to try to help with retention. Mm-hmm. And um, but what what about wage inflation? What's happening mm-hmm. with that? Because we just we're just seeing so much pressure.
0: We are seeing wages increase, especially wages on the bottom tier of employees, so the lower skilled, lower wage jobs. You've seen a huge shift up and now, you know, part of what we're all talking about are signing bonuses or things along those lines, incentives. What tricks can employers pull out to try to get new people? Uh, The question I think that we've heard from some employers is, is this a change that's short term or long term? In our sense is, uh, number one, you can't raise wages and then claw them back anytime soon. You know, just I don't see how you, f- you you do that. But the reality is the demographics of the workforce are not, especially in Pennsylvania, not headed in the right direction to make the workforce shortage any better anytime soon. So supply demand, this is a, you know, this is a typical situation where we have uh, too many jobs and not enough workers. So the wage inflation unfortunately is likely here to stay for a while and who knows could even tilt worse for employers having to pay more to get the people they need.
1: Yeah, I think you use the word tricks, and uh, that kind of raised my eyebrows because I'm like, you know, what about strategy? You know, there's uh, tricks that seems like something impulsive, and, and we really need to think about strategy and how we're, how we're paying our employees.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I agree, and the reality for central Pennsylvania is a lot of our employers are smaller, 50, 75, 25. I mean, that's the vast majority, majority of employers. And my goodness, these people have had a lot to deal with in the last 18 months. So you take the pandemic and trying to navigate all of those pieces, and then you have a workforce shortage. Many of these companies don't have a thick senior management team or an HR director. So in the moment, in the short term, they are pulling out anything that they can beyond just sticking a sign out. Their, of their business and saying hiring now. And those signs are everywhere. Yeah. But I'd love to get to the point of strategy.
1: Yeah, I saw the sign that said text and you're hired. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I think also the larger
1: businesses are shifting work to smaller businesses, which is great, but it's because of workforce availability and mm-hmm. the small businesses have the same issues. And uh, so I think it, it, when you're in the business, well, what can you do? I mean, we, mm-hmm. we talk all day long about the problem, but what the heck can mm-hmm. we do?
0: Well, there's I think, a discussion around short term, and you know, and this is some of the tricks and the gimmicks that people are trying to do to get their name out. I really think the focus needs to be what's going to happen in the mid to long term because, again, this is not a pandemic only problem. This is a challenge with demographics um, over time. What we're really encouraging employers to do is to try to get more involved in their communities specifically with their educational systems. So K through 12, and also with higher ed, and in Lancaster County specifically, we are blessed with wonderful school districts and a really neat group of K through or of higher ed institutions across the board. Very different organizations, but in the past, uh, the education system was the one that it's it's the feeder, but it also drove how people got jobs. Now, with jobs changing so much, different types of skills and requirements, different types of hi- hiring, the employers really need to ensure. That The types of skills and workers they need are what's coming out of our school system. So even a connection with your local school district could be beneficial, probably not for your worker tomorrow, but maybe next year or the coming years, uh, so that the, empl- the school districts know that you're there and that you're interested in hiring kids coming up through the ranks. Right. So. When you say get involved, tell me, I want to know
1: how. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sitting there going, okay, if I wanted to do that tomorrow as a business owner, what do I need to do?
0: Yeah, it's, so, it's yeah, you can't just walk up to the school and knock on the door. <laughs> um, although, actually, in some cases, maybe that's the best case. So, you know, some of it is reaching out to guidance counselors, reaching out to... Uh, teachers that are in your field of study. So if you're if you're a manufacturer and you're doing something that requires engineering, you can talk to a teacher that teaches engineering, or talk to uh, the CT, local CTC. We all have CTCs, so they do a lot in the manufacturing area. So you got to find a way in and connect with some of the faculty and connect with the administration there, so that they can understand your programs and vice versa. Certainly, there's rules around where can kids go? Everyone wants an internship. How do I get you know, students from, from a classroom into my workplace? There's rules that are have to be required, uh, but these are schools that know how to do that. I, I would also point to our colleagues, the Lancaster Chamber, most of the chambers of commerce across the region, uh, they have good programs on how to do internships, how to talk to your school districts, all of these sorts of things. So use your local chambers, use some of the uh, local programs that knit business and education together. I'm a board member of the Lancaster STEM Alliance, uh, which is really focused around science, technology, engineering, and math. Uh, So I would be a great person to talk to because we have uh, connections with all the school districts, the IU13. Building those partnerships is what's going to be key in the long term. And then if you're in a small
1: business, how do you do that? I I guess I just said there, I maybe have a little bias, but it's like, how how do you do that?
0: It is yet another thing that is on your to-do list, right, as a small business person. However, my my point back would be, there's no greater investment than your workforce today and your workforce in the future. So do you have to carve out some time? Do you have to figure out how to make those connections? Yes, uh, I would put that high on the priority list. Um, and again, this is where use your local chambers, use your partnerships with your economic development organizations, reach out to those interests, and see what they can do to advocate on your behalf.
1: Right, and I think, so basically what you're implying is that there's no quick fix here.
0: (laughs) I wish there was a magic bullet. If we knew that or if that existed, I think we all would have found it by now. So no, this is really hard work uh, and it's gonna take a community-wide effort. And again, business is in a really critical position here. They have to drive this equation, have to elevate how important certain skills are, certain occupations are for the future of the community. And then, so let's just say we have some
1: success in working with the schools. I was reading an article where it said that business is the new college,
0: <laughs> and
1: um, I we I do hear a lot in the community talk about whether college is is a good investment mm-hmm. at this point because um, just need people now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, so why wait four years for them to get all their classes done when you could be putting them in a work. Situation now? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you know, I think it's the whole continuum. Every person has a different choice and a different need. Every school does, and every employer does. So I, this is where there's no one size fits all. But for people who are interested in getting into the workforce quickly, absolutely, this is a best this is a great time to do it. There's many, many pathways to do that. If you're looking for something that does require higher skill level, a four-year education, liberal arts type of orientation can be terrific. So, you know, I'm really agnostic as to what each person's choice is. However, if you're eager to get into the workforce, it's a good time to do it.
1: Yeah, I think people are willing to invest in that training, whereas before it was like if you didn't have the four-year degree, you were just thought to be immature and not fully formed.
0: And what we're starting to really see with a lot of the higher ed institutions, two year and four years, is much more boutique certificate type programs. So could you get some additional training? Is it six weeks or three months as opposed to two years or four years? Mm. So you can get some skills that are Transferable to certain employers. I think you're gonna see more and more of that. At least that's some of the trends that we're seeing.
1: Really? What what is like what would that I haven't heard of that. What what are some of those?
0: I mean, so I sit on the board of the College of Art and Design. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of discussion about the importance of graphics, art, graphic art and communication and how that gets applied in business. So does someone need to get a four-year degree to become a graphic artist or could they? could someone in a workforce come and get maybe a certificate that's a certain type of very intense training mm-hmm. over a short period of time? I think the other thing we're starting to see is a lot more customized training. Mm-hmm. So an employer comes to a A higher ed institution or to a CTC and says, these are the types of things that I need. I need these certain types of skills. And it could be CNC operator or welding. And it's a really more intense, narrowly focused, but it meets certain requirements. More and more of that, I think, is the direction that we're going to see certain occupations go, not all. Wow. I really think that's fascinating because that's going to
1: shift higher education in a big way. But that would be a great solution for business to be able to have people who could get that quick training.
0: I think that's right. I mean, again, there's the flexibility that employers are going to need, I think, is going to be a lot of what drives the equation over the next, at least the next couple of years as we settle into this new pattern of workers being scarce. And then what about the highly trained? Like some of the stuff
1: you really, you can't short, you can't take the short route. I mean,
0: That's right. I mean, th- there's a lot of, I mean, look, we, Doctors, engineers, you know, there's there's a yeah, whole lot actuaries, of I mean, right, just, yeah. lawyers. I mean, there there are a lot of those positions out there, too. Part of what we're hearing from employers today in those higher skilled types of roles, they're, they're concerned about the workforce of the future also, mm-hmm. uh, especially with, you know, hybrid environment or people can go wherever. Um, you know, we hear about these worker shortages in a lot of places. So, you know, I don't think, again, everything we're talking about, everyone wants a quick answer, or a quick decision. This discussion on workforce, it's here to stay, and you're going to see gradual shifts, and you're going to see people adapt as they shift into new types of procedures and operations. Well, and I think if you look at the baby boomer generation, we have tripped
1: every transition that they have made. We didn't have enough hospitals for them to be born in. We didn't have enough schools for them to go to, and now we didn't have enough colleges for them to go to, and now we don't have enough people Mm-hmm. To help with the with the people who are exiting the workforce,
0: and the reality, you know, no one wants to stereotype generations, and we still talk about the millennials and and the the generations that follow them. Just very different behaviors and habits in total, right? Every individual is different, but as a generation, they grew up with technology. Mm-hmm. their Their expectations are different. You know, there's a lot of discussion about how they look at jobs for two or three years, and then they move on, or they're much more portable, they shift communities. So again, this is all part of the adaptation that businesses are having to deal with.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. It's fascinating, really. So (laughs) let me ask you a question. Do you have a specific thing that people could be reading or should read or something that would teach them something really important about this topic?
0: There's no shortage of discussion on workforce development. So there's some great national literature, and you know all the New York Times and Wall Street journals of the world talk about this all the time. So yes, I read that. What I actually read is stuff that... <laughs> selfishly, we generate. So we have a a local economic uh, data center called the Center for Regional Analysis. And we have posted on our website some occupational forecasts for the next 10 years. And we've looked at certain industries moving out over the next 10 years. Mm. Why is that important? There's a lot of speculation out there. There's a lot of national trends. but, But frankly, Central Pennsylvania doesn't operate always like the nation. So understanding what our local demographics are, what our local industry concentrations are, how those are shifting, how occupations locally are shifting, that to me is far more relevant to our conversation. Oh, man, yeah. So what what does an occupational forecast include? So it's really trying to project out over the next 10 years based on some trends and some shifts by by occupations. So right, there's industries, so manufacturing, healthcare, but there's occupations, CNC operator, lawyer, accountant, right? Those are occupations. So those are going to shift over time and some of that's based on history and some of that's based on industry growth and other factors. So we've been doing some of those projections working with some state partners Looking out especially for Lancaster County, ten years, and trying to figure out where are the gaps. yeah, and the gaps are pretty big. so it's not it's not positive news. If you're looking for Rosie, don't go to our website. But if you're looking for <laughs> honest answers, yeah. that's what we're trying to provide. But we
1: never had to think about it before. I mean, it's just like, wow, I, I mean, if I, a business owner should be running to that information now and i'm I'm one of them because I'm like, wow, I never had to think about the future workforce. For our business. So
0: fascinating stuff. Amazing. I, I would encourage business owners, It's there's no greater investment than being informed about the demographics and the changes in our local workforce mm-hmm. today, because you have to understand that they're not going to get better. They're mm-hmm. just going to get harder. And so how do you participate in that discussion and how can you best prepare for those sorts of changes ahead? Yeah,
1: that's amazing. Thank you so much for that. And with so much that you're doing that's making such a great impact, I still want to ask you, though, why do you go to work every day? What makes
0: you show up? Well, I love Lancaster County. That's where my family is, and um, it's just a wonderful community. And I'm fortunate to get to interact with a lot of businesses every day, and I'm just inspired and encouraged by their motivation and what gets them up every day. So it's, it's really a fortunate position for us to be in. We have a wonderful community here in central Pennsylvania. If I can do anything to keep it growing, that's what I'd like to do. Wow. That's, a, that's fascinating. What a great, great great information you shared with us today.
1: It's tremendous. And so thanks for coming on the show. It really is a tough world out there. But I think based on what you said, as businesses, there's something we can do about it.
0: There's something we can do about it. And we have a lot of assets in this community to plan better for the future.
1: Wonderful. Wonderful. So thank you. Thank you again. My pleasure. And thank you to our listeners for joining us for this episode of C-Speak, the language of executives supported by PNC. You can find more episodes of C-Speak by going to witf.org slash C-Speak. And thanks again to our guest, Lisa Riggs. Until next time, I'm Sharon Ryan. That ball is out of (laughs) here. I always wanted to do that.